Hello, and welcome to the Circle of Influence, a collaborative podcast brought to you by the CFDA and The Real Real, which takes a deep dive into fashion sustainability's past, present, and future. In a world still reeling from the impact of COVID and social unrest, the conversation is more urgent than ever. On behalf of The Real Real, I'm your host, Julie Gilhart, President of Tomorrow Projects and Chief Development Officer of Tomorrow Limited. On today's episode, I'm speaking with three young and inspiring advocates for sustainability who are defeating every negative millennial stereotype and creating a better fashion industry for our next generation. Joining us is Becca McCarran-Tran, founder and creative director of the Future Forward Bodywear label, Chromat. Second, we have Priya Aluwalia. Linda designer of her namesake label and a 2020 LVMH prize winner. And lastly, but most certainly not least, we are joined by Hilary Tamor, New York-based founder and designer of Clean Estrada. Thank you all so much for joining me today to discuss your journeys in sustainability. Start off the conversation by going back in the time of the beginning of your careers and uh, where did the initial trigger happen that caused you to be thinking about sustainability and adopting those practices in your brands? I started in 2009 and it was like right after the, you know, the crash and everything just kind of felt very, I don't know, it was a really good time, I think, to start a brand at that point. And it was like very hopeful. And I think having that kind of sustainability outlook on life in general was like pretty exciting during that time. And I think it was just like a natural flow of progression, but I do, there have been moments and pivoting points in my career where I'm like, this isn't good enough. We need to do more. We need to do more. We need to do more. And usually it's when I'm like walking over the bridge to work and seeing tons of garbage on the ground. I just like cry because I'm like, we, why am I creating goods and how do I create the right goods to move forward in like what seems correct in what I should do. And I just want to be responsible for what I'm making. Priya, what do you think? What's, what's your, what first comes to your mind when um, you started? Yes. Yeah, so I've got a much um, younger brand, I guess. Um, I started two years ago, so August, 2018. Really not that long ago. I feel, it feels like I've just been nonstop to be honest. Yeah. But um, I guess I came out swinging in a way because I, um, I did my MA and when I was on my MA, I'm, I'm Indian and Nigerian and I traveled to both India and Nigeria um, while I was doing it. And I guess when you're on your MA, you're finding, trying to think of your final big idea. You're on high alert for anything inter- interesting. So I was like, you know, full alert when I was in both places. And basically I was in um, Lagos with my stepdad and visiting my dad. And we were, um, I was noticing all the hawkers in the traffic jams wearing these like really obscure secondhand pieces of clothing. So like one guy was wearing a Korean t-shirt, another was wearing a London marathon t-shirt. And it really made me, I was so curious about like, how have you got these clothes? I just literally wound down the window and started talking to people and found out about this big market. And I found out that like, basically most of the charity, things we send to charity, or I think you guys call it good, goodwill, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Uh, So we call it charity shops. And, um, 80% 80% of it doesn't go to those charity shops. It gets sold for profit to developing countries or it gets dumped there. So then I found out about, I found out about this big trade of it in, the, in, in Africa and how it ruins local textile industries because it's cheaper to buy secondhand goods than it is to invest in local industries. And then from there, I, you know, I went back to my 
hotel room and I started researching like, you know, what happens to this clothing? And I found out about Panipat and that's when I went to in- this Panipat in India. So I went to India afterwards. Um, luckily I've got family that stay uh, everywhere, India, Nigeria. So I got to stay with more relatives and um, took my camera and I just literally went in a cab to Panipat with my Nana, who's like at the time 77 and just had her knees replaced. And we just like went <laughs> and like, took photos and I learned all about that's, you know, it's a global capital of recycling in the world. And I was, so I made a book in the end called Sweet Lassie. And I launched my, I did on my day of my graduate show, I launched that book and I did my graduate collection, which was all because of, because of the research for that book, all made from repurposed materials. And so it kind of like, for me was a real, it sounds dramatic, but it was a life-changing moment. I don't know whether if I hadn't been on those trips, I would necessarily be on this journey or talking to you now, because I don't know if it was something that was, I might be one of the people trying to catch on to it, but I, that for me, those trips were the thing they literally changed my life. And really, once you see these huge piles of clothes and stuff, you can't unsee it. So that was for me a very directional um, journey into this into this world. So you kind of had an aha moment. Yeah, oh yeah, completely. I, I mean, I was embarrassed. I felt I remember feeling kind of embarrassed. Like, you know, of course, they, this clothes have to go somewhere. But it, it, I'm just really grateful that I experienced it because, like, now I feel. I've got, um, at least I, if I grapple with making clothes, at least I know I'm doing it purpose. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you've got a solution down. Um, Becca, so it's 10 years you've been, that's crazy. I know, it's actually kind of cool to hear your story, Priya, because when you're talking about charity shops, that's actually where I started. Um, talking about Priya mentioning charity shops and how that's how we started by... Um, finding garments at Goodwill because I started Chromat um, from my bedroom in a small town in Virginia. Um, it was something I did for fun after work as an architect. And so I would just go to Goodwill and find like leather trench coats and cut them up and make bustiers and experiment with that. Um, but I think that sustainability for me as a small brand has always been inherent because of you, we didn't have a lot of resources. So we were just making the best of whatever we had um, and I think that's enabled us to be sustainable with everything. We never waste anything and we always, um, you know, use what we have. But as we grew and started buying fabrics from factories, we started working with a factory in Italy um, called Carvico, who makes this fabric from recycled fishing nets. So the fishing nets are, I think it's cheaper for fisher people to just drop them instead of turning in nets with holes. Um, You have to pay to turn it back in. So they just drop them in the bottom of the ocean. And so the company I work with has diving teams that go out and collect and dredge up the nets and melts them down into nylon thread that is woven into the fabric that we use. So it's a circular cycle of material that we're able to utilize with the swimwear fabric um but i think for the that's been something that has come easy to us because it was just a fabric that was available through the mill that we work with but i think the biggest trigger for us and why we are so interested in sustainability now has been when i moved the chromat company to miami two years ago and living in miami is you know it's really climate crisis is happening every single day it's not climate change is happening in the future it's happening now and with the rising tides and red tides and um flooding it's just it's a constant daily thing and I think it really made me realize that you know 
it questioned like, what are you doing to prevent environmental degradation like this? What are you doing to curb this? What are you doing to stop this? You personally, and also like your platform with your company, like everything has to be intentional to make this stop or to help the environment in any way I can. So that was really the, the biggest thing that's been on my mind lately. So Hillary, um, your brand Kalina Strata is very, has a very identifiable aesthetic. You have an amazing signature. You can identify your clothes right away. So for you, what comes first? Do you think of pure fashion design and then think about the process being responsible? Or are you thinking about the responsible process and how you produce the garments in a stylish way? Um, it's really like chicken and the egg, to be honest. It's, you know, we use a few things like what Priya saying, there's this place in Ghana where we, it's called Dead White Man's Trash, like the organization, the Or Foundation that we work with Liz, um, who like my co-creative Charlie Engman, he like goes to visit and like takes photos of what's happening there. So we'll use a bunch of t-shirts from there and like recreate them into dresses and like we get like white bundles of t-shirts and just kind of use it as like plain fabric. And then I also use a lot of like rose silk that's made from rose bushes, um, which is essentially like a byproduct of the rose industry, which is really interesting. And so I can either we use like I'll make a print and then we can put into the rose silk or vice versa. Or I can just like tie dye something or we like hand paint everything in the studio. So really, it's more so. I come up with ideas and then I decide if I can make it ethically or not. And usually about 20% of my ideas are able to be made ethically. So it kind of dwindles down into this compact show. Do you see that? Can you see that scaling? I mean, just to not to say that you want to scale in a big way, but just for the audience, do these kind of... You know, we sell to about like 60 to 100 stores, Mm -hmm. roughly. Yeah, yeah. We're able to make a lot of product with that. And it's like, how big do you want to be? And how, like, am I going to be a huge, like, multi conglomerate com- like, corporation? No, I don't want to be that. I want to make mm-hmm. things. I don't want to have huge CEOs telling me how many t shirts I need to make a season. Mm-hmm. I'm happy where we're at. And, like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, yeah, we could be a little bit bigger. But at the same time, we're, we're selling a lot of product and mm-hmm. we're able to make them ethically at this point. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think the scale is okay at the moment. Mm-hmm. And is all is your production mostly here in the U.S. or do you? Everything's made in the U.S. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. we make everything in a few factories in Midtown. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love U.S. production. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so easy. The girls can go up every day and check in on everything, and it's yeah. just like nice to see the families that you know we're working with, and like exactly. they bring their kids to work during the pandemic, and it's just like it's such a a tight knit community. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I've been in the fashion industry forever, and it's really the stories that have more meaning for me right now. You know, that process, not the trend, but um, yeah. So Priya, some of the best ways to be responsible, you know, include using recycled and desktop materials, which obviously that's your thing. Um, But people are finding new ways to incorporate already existing materials every day. What has, and I know you've got your, your thumb on the pulse. What recently has inspired you in terms of new ways of doing things and incorporating responsibility and production and sustainability in your menswear collection? 
my brand's much smaller and newer. And I guess for me, it's just like actually being responded to in a way that like people are excited by it. And then plus people that I want to see in my clothes are actually wearing it. So I guess that that kind of makes me naturally want to figure out new and exciting ways. So we just constantly within the studio are like developing new techniques. So whether that's like, um, you know, printing on old prints or reworking things back together, or it, it, sometimes it, it comes from just literally talking as a team and discussing and trying things out, like literally as if I'm back at uni, which is really enjoyable. But other things is, I guess, um, as the brand is developing, we get like interest, I guess, from bigger brands to come and like consult or do whatever. So those experiences, I think, also inspire me because it's led me now, I guess, the way I work is really quite analog. Um, it's like about collecting discarded materials. You know, a lot of my work's beaded. A lot of it's got chain embroidery. And so it's a really like kind of throwback way of working, I guess. But I'm always like, the design is always modern and forward thinking, but the techniques are kind of classic. But the more I interact with um, other people in the industry, big companies and, and, and things like that, it's the more I'm embracing tech. And I guess that this lockdown has really made me do that. So um, I recently did a project with Avery Dennison about how we could use label technology in our garments. And that for me is just something that I like could not ever think about. I'm not really like a tech person. So I guess like that's the new thing I'm being quite inspired about how I can use the intersect between technology and the craft and make something really new. And I actually had to use technology to enable the craft to not be watered down. I guess that's the other thing. Cause I think when you do work in an analog way, it's really hard to sort of, I guess, scale or, you know, making a fast approach. And so I'm thinking about ways I can use technology to support my business and business plan. It's funny. I know you get categorized as a menswear designer, but I sort of, I see you more as like a genderless designer. Do you feel that way or is that just me? Oh yeah, totally. I totally feel like that. And it's just like, you know what, if I'm going to be really honest with you guys, sometimes it's just because of budget that like, it's just too much of a budget for me to do a co-ed show, for example. So I've just stuck with men's, but it doesn't ever mean I'm like thinking, it's not for everyone. I don't just, I mean, I wear it all and lots of my friends do. And, you know, certain stockists sell it as women's wear, for example, Essence. Um, but I guess in 2021, I'm, I do have more traditionally female focused women's wear coming out. So I'm still going into it, but I definitely don't. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. I get called a men's wear designer all the time, but I don't think of it like that. I just think just design things I like. I know. Well, it's our our culture to categorize everything. And when yeah, we everything get something that you can't so categorize, you're like, no, 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 no. Um, so Becca is talking about being categorized. You kind of like made your own category in fashion. I mean, you were so benchmark and, and really driving exclusivity and diversity. I mean, just, just so beautifully. Um, is there an intersection between your, you know, inclusivity and sustainability? And if so, how would you explain that? And what does that look like? Yeah, definitely. And I, I really appreciate like, you know, talking about like exploding the gender binary. That's really exciting for our era. Um, we're recognizing that really any body can wear any type of clothes. It's really, you know, no garment has a gender. There is no gender on a garment. So I think once we like let that go and say like that is part of a system that no longer serves us, so let's get rid of it. 
I think there's so much freedom and possibility in that. And, um, so yeah, but I would say that like racism and environmental degradation are, are one in the same coin. It, they both are the products of putting profit before people and the environment. And they're both products of capitalism and capitalism, capitalism's singular goal of making more money. And that requires there always has to be, you know, keeping people in low wage jobs in order to produce products cheaply. And I think that reinforces the racialized class system we have here in the U.S., which we're seeing break down and we're recognizing like how detrimental it is for our survival during COVID. Um, there's just no safety net and there's, there's no focus on, on survival or, or pe- making sure that people are thriving and people have healthcare. But um, yeah, I think like for us, our focus on inclusivity was a way to break down those old systems. Like we're talking about exploding the gender binary. That's no longer relevant. And I think, you know, this kind of old system of, of what fashion was 10 years ago when I started of kind of like promoting this white, cis, thin, um, hetero, um, able-bodied person as this kind of like beauty ideal. That's no longer relevant either. I think that's from an old system that doesn't serve us either. And so to our goal with Chromat was always to celebrate all different types of people and, um, you know, when it first started, like I was saying, I was selling stuff from Goodwill. I was also begging my friends to model for me. So my friends were also having to be of all shapes and sizes and all backgrounds and races and ethnicities. And I think that it was a community product project and it was people helping each other. And that's kind of the best part of what I do now is, is just working and collaborating with other people. Um, but yeah, I think that like when we're talking about sustainability, we can't not talk about racism and we can't not talk about classism in the ways that you know especially fashion when you're talking about big industry businesses they're always it's a race around the globe to find the cheapest wages possible to make the most money possible and that's a system that is no longer serving anyone and i think we should dismantle it you're a gatherer of like-minded people you know so i think whatever your business is have a community is really important so um all three of you have that um hillary so you kind of created a presence in the world of video games, a very natural one, whether it be Animal Crossing or what you just did with Gucci Fest. I mean, is it possible as a fashion designer to, you know, is that part of your sustainability sort of thought process by not creating real clothes, but by creating something that's product focused for your customer, like a video game? And, um, you know, what are some of the other ways that you're thinking about this? Yeah, I guess the whole point and the concept behind the video game was like a very interesting way of how do we engage with our customer, but still maybe not have them have to buy a physical like material object or like like a piece of clothing. Like they can still interact with us. They can still feel like they're part of the brand, but they don't necessarily need to be wearing the garment. And I think in like 10 years time, it's kind of thinking like, how are we going to be able to create new collections? Is it even going to be like feasible or ethical or responsible to be able to create new clothes? And like, how do we pivot and still be able to create in like a cool new way? And I mean, my passion is to make clothes. So to choose your player and create avatars with your own clothes, I think was like a really interesting, fun kind of learning process for me in that. And, you know, we still made the collection, 
But I guess like what you were saying about going back to COVID and how people are trying to be, it's really upsetting for me because everyone's like, oh, we're going to go to two seasons a year. And then none of that happened. Like people maybe skipped half a season, it felt like. And then this way, I feel like with the video game process, it's like, okay, we can maybe just like calm down and like be like, okay, these are 12 players, 12 looks. It doesn't need to be a 40 piece collection to be a collection and still sit with the big guys and like still feel like we're creating content. You know, I just felt like it was way more easy to like direct and like pinpoint what we wanted to make. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, I mean, what you're doing is really interesting. I think, uh, you know, from talking to some people at that probably sooner than later, production will get really, really efficient and less wasteful. And um, so, uh, and it'll be powered in more responsible ways. And investment is kind of going into that too. So, you know, by what you're doing with these, you know, technology and fun and gaming is is really sort of very interesting in early days still. But um, I would just really... Yeah, I mean, Balenciaga just announced they're going to do a game today. Because <laughs> you know so why? It's, we it's all need to have more fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I that's mean, what, it's a really fun way to like do it, I think. I don't yeah, know. It's really yeah. hard to make though, but... Yeah, it's a lot of, there's a lot of work behind it even the most responsible designers sort of, how do they balance their passion for sustainability, but know that they are actually creating product for a living? Yeah, I guess it's a big question because it's also, my answer depends on what day you ask me. I might have a different thought about it tomorrow than I do today. Um, You're totally right. For me, I just want to be a designer, well, or a creator, I guess. I wouldn't only say that I'm a fashion designer, but I would you know, that is what I really want to do. And I feel like what I've decided to do is I've, you know, identified these areas that this industry can really improve. Um, I mean, I do want to just say one thing. I feel like fashion gets such a hard rap for it because obviously everyone wears clothes. So every person, well, not every person, but a lot of people in the world wear it. So obviously it's large scale, but you know, I actually went to New York last year. Um, I was in your neighborhood and I learned that like the biggest uh, cause of waste in New York city is construction industry. So I do want to just like, sometimes I feel like we're all complicit no matter what industry you're on. And I don't think that builders get a rap like we do, you know, they don't get like questioned or articles or whatever. So I completely get that we have got a problem, but I think it's also just important to notice that we can't, like it's only fashion, you know, there's people that work in oil, for example. But um, so I think that's first of all. And then I think that basically all I can do is like, yes, there is a problem with fashion and production. But the thing is, if, we're always going to wear clothes, which we probably will for the next, I don't know, at least half a, half a century. So like, how can we as like young creators make that slightly better? So I guess that for me, I just, I just want to like reinvent this system because if it's something that's always going to happen, there's no point in me being like, I'm not going to do anymore. I give up and just let someone else lead the charge or, you know, lead the way. So if I can inspire or, like you know all of any of us on this call if we can like do it in a way that's better and then which we all have experience like we're all getting bigger companies tapping into us like i know like currently you must you work with reebok and all that kind of stuff like we just work with gucci they're tapping into us for a reason and like they are whether it's that they whether it's that it's kind of helpful i mean i know it's mutually helpful for everyone right but there is a reason that they're noticing us so i feel like 
if we can inspire bigger companies and also people coming up through school, like that they can do fashion in a better way, that's also really good. And then the other side of it is like, you know, Becca touched on earlier about how sustainability is invariably linked with anti-racism and representation and diversity and things and equality, you know, at the same time as well, like there are lots of different economies around the globe that rely on fashion for there to be people that have a job. You know, like, for example, I get beading done in India with a social enterprise that works to getting rural people into fairly paid and well-trained work. Like there's also elements of our industry that do empower people. So we've got to, to like, you know, if we can keep thinking about enterprises and working with businesses that help the society and that they're working in or their local economy you know it empowers people and actually at the end of their clothes make people feel good so i feel like i feel like we're all going to wear clothes all the time it's going to be something we can't avoid but we can do it in a better way and i think that like we just have to put our head above the parapet and be the ones that kind of are a bit brave about it and maybe say all this stuff and call out hypocrisy and you know, sometimes it's like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, but I think that we are kind of, um, it's important. So I guess the way I balance it is that I'm doing, at least I'm trying to show that there's a better way of doing things. And, you know, I get so many, even from younger people, I get so many DMs and emails and things of people saying that they've been inspired by the brands they're doing their school project about repurposing materials. And it's like, that's brilliant, you know? So there's always got to be people that lead the change. So I think that's kind of how I'm balancing it. And I like designing clothes. I can't get away from that. So let me just do it in the sort of the best way I can. I, I mean, well said, uh, it, but it don't, you know, I have the bandwidth of going back to developing so many designers and being a part of them in their careers. And this is new. I mean, what you all are naturally thinking is new. And it's just as new as when, you know, Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein and Donna Karen and Michael Kors decided that they all wanted to be great American brands. They were sort of on the same sort of trajectory, but doing it differently. And then you had a whole new posse here in New York with Proenza and Philip Lim and Alexander Wang and, you know, the, all those. And it was this Derek Lamb. There was this young kind of thing that was doing it differently and in London you had Erdem and Christopher Kane and all those people and so you know you can keep on going um, so this you were a part of this next kind of movement you're talking about issues you know that that are difficult to talk about you're you're really struggling over how you're responsible you've got you know dreams and fantasies and, and creativity um, it, I, it's amazing. And if it weren't for our economic struggles, you know, you're, you're, you know, the, the commerce of it, you probably grow really fast. So I think you have to kind of think how you're going to grow in a new way. And it, like to your point, it may not be through clothes completely. You have the opportunity to grow in other ways, do other things. Um, it's the world's your oyster, really. Um, Wait, we so. need these Julie motivational speakers all the time. I, I, need, this, <laughs> I need this positivity oh all the God. time. Every <laughs> day work, we're all in our own weeds. You know, we are all, you're a weed. <laughs> and it's really, but you can see it. Like, you know, people can see it. You can't really see yourself. It's really hard to put the mirror on yourself. You see yourself differently. 
but I see it. But you've just got so many obstacles right now. But I think also too the obstacles, you know, are are um, will 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 help you. You just have to be grateful for the obstacles because they'll push you to think differently in a way. I think it's really interesting, and I think all those big brands will be they they want to know how you do it. They do. So that's the other thing is I think we have to be more of a sharing fashion community. Before we end, I wanted to ask you, you know, what is your one piece of advice you would give someone who's watching one of those new fashion designers that are probably categorized as a Gen Z um, and who, you know, we want them to prioritize sustainability, but we also want them to embrace so many other things what i mean what would you say like if you were starting out today what would you what would be the advice that you would want to give somebody um becca do you want to start sure yeah i was just thinking about when you're saying like sharing is so important and i really really believe that more every day because looking back on the past 10 years it was so hard for me to figure out how to make garments in size 4x and there was no patterns that i could just find online and i feel like of course, within capitalism, everyone is so individualistic with, with with the knowledge and with um, you know, this kind of like intellectual property rights. I think that's to our detriment. And I think the more we can share with each other, and the more that you know, I'm a part of this kind of like open source cookbook that um we were talking about yesterday that is kind of like trying to show people how to make their own clothes. And for me, I'm like releasing this one swimsuit and all the patterns from extra small through four X just. You know, one of the concerns I had up front with this project was like, if I release all my patterns, isn't like Forever 21 just going to buy them and be like, thanks for the research and development for free. You know, I appreciate that, which I've seen in the past, like knockoffs happen. But I think at the end of the day, you just have to like kind of create the world you want to see and not necessarily worry about, you know, all the negative things like all the knockoffs or I still think that's kind of like the idea of intellectual copyright or like, these kind of like ideas that only us as ourselves could make. I I think that needs to go out the window. Um, But that's something else I was thinking about as you were talking. But yeah, I think like with success or with advice, my thing for younger people would just be like, rethink what success means to you. Because after 10 years being in all the stores and being on Vogue, you know, I'm kind of realizing that like I was put on a track where bigger was better. And the aspirational designers was Michael Kors and, you know, Ralph Lauren, who've made these entire like lifestyle brands and have all these licensing. And that was the idea of success. Um, And I've really realized that that's not freedom to me. And that's not what I aspire to. But it took so much thinking about what is right for me to kind of like get out of that system of like always bigger is better. And I think when we're talking about sustainability, of course, we know that bigger isn't always better. Um... But nowadays, I, I do look at smaller companies like Creepyeha or Ampwata, people who are kind of making each piece themselves and have the freedom to operate how they want. I think to me that is success and it doesn't have to be about global domination. I think that's really good advice. You don't have to follow, you, you know, you don't have to follow just because that's the system. It's good to be aware how you kind of navigate uh, parallel to it you know, um, being respectful of all systems, but you have your system. Um, I guess I can offer some advice as well. Um, What kind of, I think it's all about community. So if I were, I would just make sure like, okay, you have to have a one point of view and make sure you're really true to yourself with whatever you're creating 
and then you feel comfortable and responsible about how you're making it ethically. And if once you feel comfortable with that, I think there's not enough community community within designers. Like I know Becca, but like we've never like, you know, I think we've switched a few like contacts or whatever here and there across the years. But you know, to be able to like reach out to your community and be like, do you like this product? And also there's so much knowledge that you learn in like a 10 year gap of running a business of like, let me teach you all the mistakes that I made. So you don't make the same mistake and you don't have to go through that because we've all made so many mistakes and that's how you get to be running a successful business is you learn from all those mistakes that you made. Mm -hmm. And if you can teach people about those mistakes or like Mm -hmm. my job, I think all of the day long is waiting, like making sure I see my employees and be like, I can tell them the mistake they're going to make before they make it. So to be able to have like create a community where you can talk to people and learn from them and not just think that you have to be on your own to do it. Yeah. And also too, I think it's very sustainable to be able to share resources. You know, I think that's something that we haven't really explored as an industry, like, you know, how you can put in an order for, you know, sustainable hangers or buy yeah. fabric. And, you know, it's sort of like, why not? It's just I just asked the UN actually on a podcast the other day about like, can we just have like a sustainable resource of like, these are, you know, like, like regulated factories that we can work with that we authorize as sustainable manufacturing and like, just like put like a spreadsheet for everyone so we can like be like, okay, they're certified, they're sustainable. I completely agree with everything that, that you guys have said. And I think that like, all I can say is that just be true to yourself, stick to your guns and trust your gut. Like if something feels dodgy to you, it probably is. Um, also, like, I feel like something that saved me from going insane is like, I take everything really seriously and not seriously at all at the same time. So like, you know, I get things done, but I'm trying not to like, you know, it's not it's only clothes at the end of the day so try and enjoy the ride I think I think like otherwise you know I've been in business for a lot less time than you two but I already feel like it's like click and it's all just rushed past me and I just would say try and you know as well as being dedicated to sourcing the right materials working the right people try and enjoy the journey because work takes up a lot of your life and especially when you relaunch your own business it takes up you know it's all encompassing and it's you do it because you've got passion for it but try and enjoy it I think you know you've got to enjoy it it's, it was also yeah. a great job in loads of ways you meet great people I've met all you guys you're all amazing it's like you know take the take the highs and try and cherish them because I, I also think sometimes maybe it's because I'm British like I find it really hard to accept um any praise or like compliments about the brand and I'm like oh no please shut up <laughs> so I don't I think even that you know just take a moment and, and enjoy the um enjoy what you're doing and what you're creating and you know, it's, it's, it's nice. So I think, yeah, that's my advice. Try and enjoy it. I'm going to put in one bit of advice is learn how to say no. <laughs> learn how to say no to all these things that people want of you because they're going to want a lot. They already do. But I could talk to you all forever. So inspiring. I mean, thank you for joining us, the CFD and the Real Will, and speaking on one of the most critical issues in our industry. Um, I have to say, you all give me great encouragement. Know that you, knowing that you represent, you know, the power of the next generation of fashion, and I'm confident through your actions that will continue to change for a better and a more sustainable industry to come. So um, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Thank you all. 
Circle of Influence podcast is co-hosted by me, Julie Gilhard, and Sarah Kozlowski, and produced by Hanger Studios. If you like what you're hearing, rate and review. It helps other listeners to find us. And of course, thank you so much for listening.